I am Dr. Mark Anselmo, the Calgary Zone Medical Director for Alberta Health Services. It is my pleasure to welcome everyone in celebrating this exciting announcement for Alberta's organ and tissue donation programs. We want to start by respectfully acknowledging that the land on which we gather today is a traditional meeting place and home of the Blackfoot and the people of the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta, which includes the Siksika, the Bigani, the Blood Tribe, Sutina, and the Stony Nakoda First Nations, and the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3 Territory. The City of Calgary is also home to many urban Indigenous peoples with rich histories and cultures. This region is home to people of many cultures, Inuit, Métis, and non-status Indigenous people. We honour and respect the history, languages, ceremonies, and cultures of all these peoples whose presence and culture enrich our communities. We respect the treaties that were made on these territories. We acknowledge the harms and mistakes of the past, and we dedicate ourselves to move forward in the partnership with Indigenous communities in the spirit of truth, reconciliation, and collaboration. I would like to invite the Honourable Minister of Health for Alberta, Jason Copping, to kick off today's announcement. Thank you, Dr. Anselmo, and all the staff here at the Cummings School of Medicine and the Foothills Medical Center. Uh, and I appreciate the credible work that you're doing here for Albertans. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Today, I'm here to speak about the SEND program, a strategic and focused initiative now underway to improve organ and tissue donation rates here in the province of Alberta. Also joining me today is MLA RJ Sigurdsson, who will be speaking about another initiative to improve organ and tissue donation through his private member's bill, Bill 205, the Human Tissue and Organ Donation Amendment Act. Right now, hundreds of Albertans of all ages are desperately waiting for life-changing and life-saving transplants of organs or tissue. Their families are waiting as well. I want them to know that we are taking actions to improve the donation and transplant system and give you hope that a match can be found. One action, and this is what we're talking about here today, is our $2 million investment in the Specialists in End-of-Life Care Neuroprognostication and Donation, or SEND, program. Through this program, donation and transplant opportunities are being coordinated throughout the province to increase donations and ultimately save more lives. The program has trained and set up donation specialist physicians in intensive care units and emergency rooms across the province. Physicians who are available to their colleagues 24-7 and who offer expertise in the end of life in critical care medicine, neuroprognostication, and donation. Their role is to increase awareness, educate, and consult with healthcare professionals in emergency departments and in ICUs. With improved awareness, training, and coordination of resources, more staff will be able to identify appropriate opportunities for organ and tissue donation and provide support and options to families who have lost a loved one and could consent to donation. Their program will also review patient records of people who die in emergency departments and ICUs to improve understanding of why donors may be missed or do not donate. This will inform further changes that may be needed. 
22 donation specialists have now been trained and are championing this work across our entire province, including right here at the Foothills Hospital. More specialists will be coming on board in the next 12 to 18 months. I would like to thank Alberta Health Services and their staff for the continued commitment and work on this very promising initiative and providing dedicated resources to promote consistency and excellence to achieve optimal organ donation rates, particularly at a time of heavy demand on our health system. Working with Alberta Health Services, our goal is to improve rates of donation and transplants in Alberta so more families have the gift of time with their loved ones. And we will continue to work with stakeholders on this priority. In closing, I encourage all Albertans to register their consent to become an organ and tissue donor at ultimategiftalberta.ca or at the reg at registry office. Donors need to discuss their final wishes with their family because they will, their family will need to make the final decision. Now, before I invite R.J. Sigurdsson, MLA for, for Highwood, to tell us more about his private member's bill, Bill 205, let me just say that Bill 205 has the full support of Alberta's government. Bill 205 brings increased clarity on the process for Albertans to make arrangements for organ and tissue donation. It puts some of the current terminology and language of the Act in terms that everyday Albertans can understand. I understand that MLA Sergitson has consulted with a number of stakeholder groups who have shared interest with our government to make the donation, pro donation process easier to navigate, all with the goal of increasing the number of donations. The bill provides a more robust, focused framework for donations and transplants to successfully occur by tying in with the dedicated specialist physicians we are announcing today. I want to thank RJ for his steadfast commitment and dedicated work on this bill, which, when passed, will further improve Alberta's organ and tissue system. Increasing the number of organ and tissue donations is one of the best ways we can work as a community to save Albertans' lives. And with that, I would like to pass over the torch to RJ. RJ. Good morning, everyone, and thank you to the minister um, for your support on my bill, private member bill 205, which provides amendments to the Human Tissue and Organ Donation Act. I know that increasing the rate of organ and tissue donation is, in Alberta is very important to many Albertans, and it's also extremely important to me. Uh, my family has experienced uh, kidney disease, and with that, I've told this story a few times, but just shortly after I was drawn for this bill in which I knew I was going to have an opportunity to bring a private member bill to the assembly, I was contacted by Cindy Krager, a local resident that lives in Oak Oaks, and she shared with me the story of her daughter, Morgan, who had left to go to Nova Scotia uh, to attend school, subsequently suffering multiple seizures. Um, she left immediately to go to her daughter's side, in which Together they made the choice to give the gift of life through organ and tissue donation in which she saved uh, eight lives and improved so many others through tissue donation. She just notified me late last week to let me know that the recipient of the heart is now getting married, a marriage that wouldn't have happened 
without that gift of life. So I'm very passionate about what Bill 205 will do to improve the organ and tissue donation system by making the following amendments, including mandatory referral, improvements to the agency and reporting to ensure that we're getting continued improvements for the future, as well as one of the critical pieces, including education and awareness. I would like to thank stakeholders, and in particular, Alberta Organization, for their strong advocacy on behalf of patients and their families who are waiting for organs and or tissue. Their commitment to improving Alberta's organ and tissue donation and their valuable and thoughtful input was critical in establishing my Bill 205 and its amendments. It is my sincere hope that this proposed bill, along with the SEND program and all other tools put in place, will continue to increase tissue and organ donation that will help save many lives. I hope everyone seriously considers this, the life-saving gift of organ and tissue donation and takes time to share their wishes with their family members. To those that have already made the choice to become donors, you truly are heroes. Thank you. I look forward to seeing the positive impacts of my Bill 205 if passed in the near future and encourage all Albertans to continue to register and become an it tissue and organ donor. I will now turn the podium over to Dr. Andreas Kramer, who is championing the SEND program. Dr. Kramer. Good morning, and thank you, Mr. Sigurdsson, and thank you, Minister Copping. On behalf of the provincial donation programs and critical care professionals across the province, we are very pleased that the Government of Alberta is taking this important step to support organ donation. Transplantation is the optimal means of treating many patients with end-stage kidney, liver, lung, or heart disease. For many, a transplant is a life-saving procedure and for others, it greatly enhances their overall well-being. Sadly, there are others yet who never receive the organ that they so desperately need. As critical care professionals, our first priority is to try to save the lives and improve the outcomes of our patients. When this is not possible, it becomes our responsibility to provide the option of donation whenever appropriate. These transitions in care, from initially doing everything we can to save life, to determining in some cases that the prognosis is poor, to providing end-of-life care, to offering organ donation, and then to ensuring that the organs that are transplanted are as high quality as possible, are complex processes that require expertise. As Minister Copping alluded to, the acronym SEND stands for Specialist in End-of-Life Care, Neuroprognostication, and Donation. This initiative is about far more than just trying to increase the number of donors. We suspect it will do that too. But it is more about ensuring excellence in all aspects of patient care that are related to donation. It is about creating a culture of donation. Achieving quality improvement 
takes time. Nevertheless, we have already seen early success in the first six months of our program. In 2021, we had more organ donors and performed more kidney transplants in southern Alberta than ever before. We have seen an increment in the number of referrals from hospitals outside of Calgary, which we think is in large part attributable to the presence of SEND physicians in communities like Lethbridge and Red Deer. In developing potential strategies to improve organ donation, let us never lose sight of the fact that before the joy and life that comes from an organ transplant, there must first be a tragedy for someone else. I'm very pleased that Shannon Visco is joining us today, today to represent this perspective. Shannon is the mother of Sloan, our first ever pediatric organ donor after circulatory death some years ago. Many of us remember her courage in sharing her experience at our Provincial Donation Symposium some years ago, and I'm delighted to introduce her uh, to you now to say a few words. Shannon. Mothering an angel is mostly quiet work. It's counting plates and spoons and then putting one back. It's lighting candles. It's whispered good mornings and good nights. It's finding a heavy blanket when your body craves feeling their weight against you. It's a gift to stand here today and say out loud, I'm Shannon Sloan's mom. Thank you, Dr. Kramer, ministers, Alberta Health Services for blessing me with this. Grieving is loving, so I'm certain that everyone here can find themselves somewhere in our story. Six years ago, on an ordinary evening, Thursday evening, a scream assaulted my ears. I sprinted to the front door and ran outside, blood draining from my face. My seven-year-old daughter's limp body laid in my husband Jason's arms. I scooped her from him and laid her on the grass chanting it's okay it's okay neighbors poured out of their houses 911 was called and a thousand things started happening simultaneously all at lightning speed and yet in slow motion i hovered over sloan's delicate body in a feeble attempt to protect her and shield her Police arrived, ambulances, then emergency bays, IV meds, catheters, blood administration, vital signs, imaging, the organized chaos of doctors and nurses performing their heroics. Until at last, we were seated in a quiet room. Two doctors told us in unequivocal terms that Sloan had a severe traumatic brain injury and should have died on impact on our street. I told myself to breathe, I told myself to blink. We had only one night of hope for Sloan's survival, and a vigil of family, friends, community, and even strangers prayed for her while her team continued to monitor and care for her. And the pink clouds of the sunrise came much too soon, and Sloan's nurse practitioner came to say goodbye, and we didn't say much, and we didn't have to. 
Jason and I cried and talked and talked and cried those early morning hours. Two weeks before, Sloan's nine-year-old brother Joe had innocently asked about this thing where they put organs of one person into another person, and he asked, is this the zombie apocalypse? Sloan was trailing behind him, listening and equally curious, and I tried not to laugh while explaining organ and tissue donation, choosing the right safe words and cadence for my sensitive children. And there were back and forth questions and lots of nodding. And you see, my husband had always given blood his every 56 days. So believe me, they had eaten their fair share of cookies at the blood bank. So for them, tissue and organ donation felt like a natural decision. Discussions of the topic became part of our morning routine for the next few days. To the point where I told them, enough is enough and scooted them out the door and off to school. Jason told me that morning that he had the exact same experience with those two. And until that devastating Friday morning, I had no idea that these conversations would be so prescient. Um, Like they knew before it even happened. For me... Standing there in the depths of despair, full of fear and doubt, it felt impossible to make sense of anything. There was no sense of direction, no north or south, no east or west. How could I navigate my daughter's death to help her die peacefully and with dignity? And in that moment, Jason and I realized that our compass, our direction, was to follow Sloan's own wishes This was our saving grace, and we could finally exhale. It wasn't long before we learned that Sloan didn't meet the criteria for typical organ donation, and tissue donation was her only option. Organ donation after circulatory death, or DCD, was newish to Alberta, not, though not to other provinces, with only a few adult cases and no pediatric cases. Zero. The groundwork for pediatric DCD protocols and standards had been set in motion but weren't ready to launch for months. Time Sloan didn't have. Sorrow has its own natural gravity, turning you inward to the spirit where you can exist in a different time and place and touch those around you softly. And that's where and how my focus needed to be and I did some grieving parent math, calculating all the memories I would miss over the next 40-ish years. Each minute would be equivalent to about three days by my calculation, and I wanted to spend those minutes close to her, watching her breathe, memorizing everything about her, and my kids needed help to understand why they had to say goodbye to their sister when a heart monitor was registering a heartbeat. I wanted to see the parade of Sloan's braid friends holding her hand, taking selfies with her, painting her nails, adorning her wrists with homemade bracelets. Jason needed me too. We could focus on our family because thankfully the very people that had advocated for DCD in Alberta were in front of us caring for Sloan 
and many more were behind the scenes that I never met. We put our trust in them. They would be her voice, working day and night to make her wish come true. They had to be resourceful and creative, but they did it. And on the morning of May 31st, 2016, another family was getting a second chance. It was unfathomably hard, yet a sacred day full of sadness, joy, and hope. And when I think back to those almost five days and nights at Alberta Children's Hospital, there were so many intangible acts of compassion. The night before Sloan's big day, a physician came into her room for the first time while we were giggling and sharing Sloan stories with her nurse. He stood silently for a while watching us as we continued talking. And then he said goodbye, or maybe he didn't. I can't remember, and it really doesn't matter. I love that moment of just bearing witness, being with Sloan in the flesh, and trying not to take away or dismiss any of our grief. Without the grief, we would truly have nothing left of her or ourselves. I think that doctor just wanted to be part of our metaphorical riverbanks holding our family together so that we didn't flood. This was the medicine that our family needed, a human, human connection. It doesn't have a peak time or a half-life. It works over a lifetime and even to the next generations. Mothering an angel is quiet work, but it also permits me to speak loudly about my convictions. I would love for everyone to become an organ and tissue donor, and I understand that it may not be right for some, and that's okay. For those who wish to donate, please sign the registry and tell your family. I believe that education is essential to changing our agonistic relationship with death and donation. My seven-year-old son came home last Thursday and told me that he learned in school that he could become a real tree when he dies. My response was, that's great, Luke, but would you like first to give someone else a part of you that they need to live or live better, and then the rest of you can become a tree? And he replied, that's even cooler, which I translate to, I like people and the planet. So let's support normalizing this conversation in our schools, our communities, and most of all, our homes. Initiatives need local leadership, policies, procedures, passionate people, and funding. And this funding is integral is an integral step towards removing obstacles for Albertans who have a chance to donate, not to be overlooked. To give every family the right to inform consent or refusal. So in 2018, I spoke about my hope for this world and what I feel is part of Sloan's legacy, a call for action and change. It is my hope that Sloan's story, her spirit, will light you on fire or reignite you to carry on. Not to sleep, but to work tirelessly. To bring DCD where you live and practice, if it's not already in place. To see the significance of both adult and pediatric donation equally for the dead, for families, for communities, 
for yourselves and the teams you work with. I want Sloan's story to light you on fire, to ask every single eligible family about donation in a meaningful way and for you to help your colleagues do the same. I want her, to, I want her story to encourage you to stretch beyond your truths and limits. Thank you, everybody here, for listening. It, feels, it does feel like you are listening and have the same hope in your heart. And I would like to invite Joyce Van Derzen, Executive Director of the Kidney Foundation of Canada, Southern Alberta Branch, and Saskatchewan Branch, to the podium. that was so moving to hear your story Shanna <clears throat> you know organ donors and, or- and families who make the decision to donate organs are the heroes of every transplant story without them there are no transplants so uh, everything that we can do to help Families and donors have these opportunities to consider organ donation, to be fully supported in making those decisions is something that we strongly advocate for and that we strongly support. So we encourage and are grateful for the resources being put towards organ and tissue donation today and that we encourage that to continue so that we have the best organ donation system in this country saving lives, changing lives. And Bill 205 is also a fantastic opportunity to do this. And we encourage, we've worked with uh, MLA Sigurdsson and provided consultation on this, as have many, many other stakeholders. And we encourage all Albertans today, tomorrow, to let your MLAs know, no matter where they are in the province, that you support Bill 205 and you want them to as well because the investments we make in organ and tissue donation in this province are going to be life-saving and life-changing. So, uh, again, thank you to the heroes of every organ donation story, the donor and their family, and the incredible medical professionals who do everything they can to save lives and to support this process. Thank you. Okay, everyone, uh, we'll begin our question and answer portion of the announcement. Um, there's no one on the line right now, so we'll go straight to the reporters in the room. Just state your name and your uh, outlet. Hi, uh, I'm Colleen Underwood, CBC News Calgary. Just wondering if someone can walk me through the SEND program, um, how will that actually make a difference? What are you hoping to accomplish? And is it brand new or is it expanding? So thanks for the question. I'll start and then I'll ask Dr. Kramer again to the details. So the, this program, is a, it's a $2 million grant over three years. Uh, it has been in place for just coming up a year right now. Um, it, and really it's all about, uh, as, as Dr. Kramer indicated, uh, it's about providing training to, um, uh, to physicians. Uh, so we have on-call physicians. So when a, a situation, a, a tragic situation, sadly, uh, comes about where there's an opportunity for donation, um, 
there's not, then there's a conversation about how do we take advantage of that. But in terms of the details, I'll ask uh, Dr. Kramer to comment. Thank you. Um, several Canadian provinces have had donation specialist physician roles for uh, as long as 11 or 12 years. Um, the, the way these are organized tends to vary somewhat across the country from one province to the next. Um, th this is a, a, a recommendation uh, for uh, a process for provinces to have from Canadian Blood Services. Um, back in 2011, Canadian Blood Services put out uh, what they called a call to action um, related to organ and tissue donation in Canada and how to improve processes. And one of the key recommendations was to implement donation specialist physicians. Um, we, uh, with the SEND program, have organized uh, the, the role of a donation specialist physician to be somewhat broader, um, to uh, be more comprehensive uh, related to not just donation, but some of the processes that happen in an intensive care unit uh, around the time of, uh, of organ donation. The role is uh, in part clinical, uh, so these physicians will serve as consultants that uh, perform a number of different functions, including, for example, to provide second opinions about uh, the prognosis of someone with brain injury. Uh, they'll be involved as the second physician in the neurologic declaration of death, which is actually a uh, a very nuanced process that requires considerable expertise. They'll serve as consultants about donation eligibility, uh, about management of potential organ donors. When someone does become an organ donor, we want to maximize the gift. So we want to uh, recover and transplant as many uh, organs as, as possible. And of course, we want those organs to then also function well in the recipients. Um, uh, in a lot of cases, the, the function of organs from donors is quite marginal, actually. And, uh, and so there's, there's considerable um, management decisions, judgment that goes into, into making, that, making that happen. Another very important aspect uh, of this, this program is the uh, auditing and uh, feedback process related to missed donation opportunities. Um, this is also something that is recommended strongly by Canadian Blood Services as something that every jurisdiction should do. And I, I believe that with the SEND program, we're actually going to be the Canadian leaders in, in doing this because the medical record reviews will actually be performed by experts um, rather than um, people maybe with a little bit less understanding of, of what, what happens in the moment-by-moment the -moment care of a critically ill patient in an, in an intensive care unit. For any quality improvement initiative, you need to try to identify where the gaps are. Um, and so already in the, the first several months of our medical record reviews, we've identified um, areas that we, we might want to focus on strategically to, to, to try to um, avoid missed opportunities in the future. Um, it, it's one thing to identify those opportunities and you need to do something about it too. And so that's the, the feedback part of it. Um, so, you know, if, if, uh, if there's medical professionals that miss donation opportunities. We want them to, to know about that, not, not in a, any kind of um, uh, punitive way, but rather for the, for the sake of, of trying to avoid those, uh, those uh, missed opportunities in the future and to look for um, 
uh, ways as a system that we can uh, try to minimize the chance of that of that happening uh, in the future. Uh, organ donation opportunities are pretty rare. Um, uh, patients have to pass away in a certain manner, um, uh, and that that isn't that common. And so the the opportunities are fairly precious, and so it's really, really important that they be identified. Um, the, the SEND Physician Program will infuse new expertise, growing expertise, into, into our healthcare system. Um, there, there's educa an educational aspect to this. There's a, uh, an advocacy aspect to this as well. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to say, you mentioned that it's been in place for about a year. And you talked a bit about it, but what have you seen, sort of what difference has that made? Well, the, the, uh, we, we first heard about the program being funded uh, a little bit over a year ago. Um, the program itself launched around July of, of 2021. Um, you know, there, there's, there's many factors that go into how many organ donors per million population there are in a jurisdiction. Um, and it's, it's not a great measure of healthcare system quality, to be honest with you, because of course we do a lot of things as a healthcare system to try to reduce tragedy. We try to prevent car crashes. We try to prevent people from overdosing on drugs. Um, so we do a lot of things that if we do them well, we'll reduce organ donation actually. But when those opportunities then arise, we, we want to uh, provide the, the opportunity for donation and transplantation. Um, so there's a lot of factors that influence donation rates, but nevertheless, uh, in the first, uh, I have data for, say, the first uh, four or five months of, of our program, and we, uh, at least in southern Alberta, we, we saw a very clear increment in our number of referrals uh, of potential organ donors, and then we saw about a 25% increment uh, temporally related with the, with the start of this program in our our number of uh, deceased uh, organ donors. Um, whether that will be sustained or not, you know, I, I can't say right now. I'm, I'm very hesitant to measure the success of this program purely in terms of number of organ donors. I think we would be making a mistake by doing that because it's about so much more than that. Thank you. No, that's great. All right, we have uh, no more reporters in the room, and I believe there's one on the line now. So, operator, if you want to let the next caller through. Catherine Grigowski, Alberta Today. Yeah, thanks so much for, for taking my question. Um, so as was mentioned in the opening remarks, even if you are um, registered to become a donor, um, it's, it's still up to your family. Um, can, can you walk me through why that is and, and how this, this program is, is going to help families make that decision? Yeah, thank you. Uh, um, I'll take a stab at that, that question. Um, let, let's face it, when someone registers their intent to, uh, to be an organ donor at a registry office or when they're renewing their driver's license, their, their knowledge of the process is uh, sometimes quite detailed, other times I would say more, more limited. Um, and, and so... Um, when the situation actually 
arises where someone has had a tragedy and, and is in an intensive care unit and their loved one is being asked about, about the possibility of organ donation, uh, usually there's a lot more information there. Um, and the, 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 their, their loved ones uh, have the opportunity then to try to uh, convey or reflect what their loved one would want uh, under those circumstances. Having registered is a really important uh, part of that, um, uh, but, but I, one, one has to make their decisions based on the, the, the circumstances uh, of the day. Um, and and that, that is uh, a bit more nuanced sometimes than just a, a yes or a no. Um, it is, I would say, the, the Alberta Registry has been underutilized somewhat over the years, and, and I think uh, part of our uh, SEND initiative is also to try to remedy that and ensure that uh, in, in all cases the, the donation registry is actually checked before those conversations uh, actually happen so that the perspective of the deceased person can be, can be uh, uh, respected and taken into consideration in those conversations. I hope that answers your question. Mm -hmm. and, and a follow-up, if I may. Um, I'm wondering what effect COVID and the opioid crisis have had on the, the I don't know, feasibility or suitability of organs for, for transplant. Um, is, is it the case where um, some organs are, are able to be donated, some aren't, or what's, what's kind of happening on, on that front with those two health crises? Yeah, thank you for that question, um, an, an important question. Um, this is an evolving area, like a lot of uh, things related to, to COVID-19. Um, at the outset of the pandemic, we did not use organs uh, from... Uh, patients that died while having having uh, COVID. Uh, the reason for that being that um, we were uncertain of the impact of transplanting uh, organs that might be transmitting virus into a recipient that by necessity is immunosuppressed. And so the safety of that um, was and to some degree still continues to be uh, somewhat questionable. Um, we, we have, in recent months, uh, actually done so. We have, we have recovered organs from uh, patients that have tested positive for COVID, but it, it, it does require uh, very specific circumstances where we know that the um, transmissibility of the virus is less. So in particular, something called the cycling time um, that uh, uh, is associated with the detection of the virus with a PCR test is, is longer um, than when, uh, when, when a person first, first develops COVID. So they're, they're essentially less, less infectious. Um, and so in those cases, we, we, have, we have recovered uh, organs. Um, it wouldn't be the lungs, but it would be uh, other organs like kidney, kidney and liver. I will say that as a province in Alberta, I, 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 uh, I can say that, that uh, we were affected less by, by uh, COVID in terms of our organ donation numbers than some other provinces. Um, we cautiously forged ahead when other provinces closed down their, their donation programs for a period of time. And so actually, in um, at least 
speaking from the perspective of Southern Alberta, in 2020, we had our most number of organ donors ever, and then in 2021, we surpassed that. All right, uh, no more callers on the line. Any other reporters in the room? Just one more? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay. I just wanted to ask, do you know how uh, Alberta compares to other provinces in terms of either number of transplants or donors? Yeah, so thanks also for that question. Um, again, it, it, uh, there is some nuance to the answer to your question because there's different types of donation. So there's, there's deceased donation and there's living donation. Uh, Alberta generally has relatively high uh, living donation numbers compared to other provinces, and so that then equates also into our transplant rates. In terms of deceased donation, um, there are provinces that have higher rates than we do. There are provinces that have lower rates than, than we do. Um, I think, by and large, the differences between provinces have diminished over time. So in 2020, which is the, the last available national data that we have, uh, Alberta had approximately 17 donors per million population the provinces with the largest numbers would have been um, BC, Ontario, and Atlantic Canada, all at around 21 donors per million. And then there were some areas that had more like 15, 16 donors per million. So that, that's about the, the range that currently uh, exists across, across uh, Canada. Um, internationally, um, there are countries that have much higher deceased organ donation rates. There's all kinds of reasons for that. And um, I think it's a, a more nuanced discussion than uh, simply to say that they have a better process than we do. Um, I mentioned earlier that the number of uh, organ donors in a jurisdiction in a particular time is the reason for that are quite complicated, actually. Yes. All right, thank you very much. That's all the time we have for uh, questions today. Thank you again to the Government of Alberta, my colleagues at AHS, the SEND program, and the Kidney Foundation of Canada for joining us today. And a very special thanks to Shannon for her courage and advocacy. We are very grateful for your family's support. Have a great day, everyone.